Well, hello there. It's time again for the Florida Roundtable. I'm your host, Melissa Fox. And this week, we've got an awful lot on the table to tackle. Speaking of tackle, we're going to talk about how to bring it on home for the Super Bowl. Make some outstanding snacks and dinners and all that good stuff that'll help you out. We're also going to address childhood heart disease. There's been a lot of advancements, so we're going to get into that. And we're going to talk about whether or not it's time for you to look into purchasing commercial real estate. And finally, very important, if you are elderly or live in a rural area of Florida, it looks like 3G is shutting down, and that could be very important, so you might want to listen up. All that is coming up on this episode of the Florida Roundtable, so stay tuned. You're listening to the Florida Talk and Entertainment Network. Many centuries ago, God revealed how true faith is lived out. His word says, What does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? Micah 6 8. Think about it. Doing justice, being concerned for those who are left out, looked over, abused, or oppressed, and loving kindness, that's actively working for the good of others. And walking humbly with God, that means trusting God and obeying His word. Today, when it seems religious faith is seen as negative, I hope you will consider Jesus. He is the one person in all of history who has lived up to this standard. He alone is always just and kind, and in his time on earth, walked humbly with his Father God. He can transform your life as a demonstration of what true faith is. Why not trust him today? This is Bryant Wright, speaking through faith, right from my heart. The old way of living with diabetes is a pain. You've got to remember to do your testing and always need to stick your fingers to test your blood sugar. The new way to live your life with diabetes is with a continuous glucose monitor. Apply a discrete sensor on your body and it continuously monitors your glucose levels, helping you spend more time in range and freeing you from painful finger sticks. If you are living with type 1 or type 2 diabetes and you administer insulin three or more times per day, or use an insulin pump, you might be eligible for a CGM through your insurance benefits. U.S. Med partners with over 500 private insurance companies and Medicare. We offer free shipping, 90-day supplies, and we bill your insurance. Call us today for a free benefits check. 800-513-1652. That's 800-513-1652. So if you or a loved one are using a mobile phone made before 2012, you know, the one with the older alarm system or a life-saving medical device as well, if it all relies on the 3G network, we're going to have some issues. With that in mind, the concern is mounting over the imminent shutdown of the 3G network, and I've got representing OATS, Older Adults Technological Services and Senior Planner from AARP. It's our guy, Tom Camber. How you doing, Tom? I am great. So tell us a little bit about what this is all, this 3G network and how our older Americans are going to be really uh, upset about this. 
Well, we're facing a real a real crisis here because we've got this 3G system, and many people don't realize the G stands for generation. And uh, everyone's talking about the new technology, this uh, 5G service that people are getting for mobile mobile phones, and that's the fifth generation, which is the most current. But that means the old generations are, are having to be uh, turned off, and they have to clear up spectrum from the companies, and that means shutting down 3G phones and 3G systems, and over 10 million older adults around the country may be using those devices. So we're really trying to raise awareness right now so that people can make sure that they're protected. Tom, can you explain how these folks are going to be suffering with regard to the 3G shutdown? Well, we're really concerned primarily about people that are older or people living in rural areas who may be holding on to those older devices because they either have them out of habit or, frankly, just to save save money because they, they don't need to upgrade until the thing stops working. The problem is these are often emergency devices, so you don't know they're going to stop working until you try to use it. And so we're asking people to take a look at their flip phones, at their alarm systems. It could be your smoke alarms or your burglar alarms. Uh, and also those medical alert devices. A lot of people have what they call personal emergency response buttons that they keep on a pendant or a bracelet in case they fall so that they can get help. Well, a lot of those devices, millions of them, in fact, are still reliant on 3G networks, and those networks are going to turn off. And so when you push the button, it might not work. When? When's this happening? Well, the bad news is that it's happening as early as February 22nd. Oh the uh, AT&T network is going to be again, shutting down 3G on February 22nd. And for some people, that could be a very abrupt change. and others, it'll be more gradual. But the reality is uh, these emergency devices are at risk starting in 12 days. And you're going to have to get people to deliver the new devices and make those configuration changes. So there's a little bit of timeline, which means you really should do the inventory today. Take a notepad and go through your house and start looking at anything you've got to make sure that we're getting ready for that change because it's only 12 days away. We're talking with Tom Camber. He's the executive director of Older Adults Technological Services, known as OATS, and senior planet from AARP. And we are talking about the proposed and timing shutdown of the three-generation or 3G network. And apparently about 20% of Americans still rely on the 3G networks. So how do we tell if we have a device that will be affected, Tom? Well, the real burden is on the consumers here, which is unfortunate. But we do have to take the time and do our own personal inventories. And the two ways to do that are first physically by going around your house in your garage and take a notepad and note down anything that might be wirelessly connecting. It can be your in your car. It might be an onboard system that, that calls for emergencies if you have an accident. In your garage, you might have an alarm system. That's your phone, your uh, burglar or your fire alarm control. In the home, you could have those uh, panic buttons. You may have medical devices that are communicating with your providers. And then, of course, any cellular phone that's a little bit older. Um, and, you know, the alarm companies are telling us it could be as recent as three years that you purchased the device. So... When you're not sure, we really recommend people call your providers and your monitoring companies and ask if those are up, are, are they're ready for the 3G transition or if they need to be upgraded. It's going to require a little bit of work there. And then the last thing to be aware of is if you're not sure, you might want to check your, your – um, your bank records and your billing, because if you're getting a monthly bill or quarterly bill, it'll be on there that you're paying for the monitoring. And those are the companies you're going to want to call and say, do I need to upgrade this device to be ready for the 3G sunset or the 3G termination? Tom, where can we go for more information, please? They can go to AARP's website, which is aarp.org, and they set up a page there. So it's aarp.org slash 3G. 
And then my organization also has a website up there called seniorplanet.org slash 3G. Those are two great places to go. Thank you so much, Tom. This is great information, although kind of confusing for the older folks, I'm sure. I hope we got it settled out there so they understand exactly what's happening. The 3G network is closing down and you're going to have to make uh, arrangements for other devices. Tom, that's about pretty much it in the nutshell, right? That's it. We hope people will just take a few minutes and upgrade anything that needs to get changed. And it shouldn't be too difficult as long as you get started early. Thanks, Tom. We really appreciate you joining us on the Florida Roundtable today. Thank you. Have fungus gnats invaded your potted plants? Control these pests with BTI, the active ingredient in Summit Responsible Solutions, Mosquito Bits. This naturally occurring bacterium kills mosquito larvae, and it also kills fungus gnat larvae in potting soil. Just follow the easy instructions on the label. Mosquito Bits are harmless to people, plants, and wildlife. Summit Mosquito Bits are available at garden centers, hardware stores, and at SummitResponsibleSolutions.com. Life can be full of risks. One thing you shouldn't take a risk with ever is your family's health insurance. If you're self-employed or you now need affordable health insurance, you need to make this free call right now and see how the Health Insurance Helpline can help you get it. 800-398-0651. 800-398-0651. 800-398-0651. That's 800-398-0651. Hello, I'm Hector Elizondo, Emmy Award-winning actor, and I want to talk to you about getting older. My body hurts, my joints ache, and sometimes I forget. I forget that doing all your own scenes for a movie isn't always the best decision, especially when you gallop inside saddle down a countryside road on a horse named Archie Bello, who seems to have only one speed, high. And pulling on his reins only seems to encourage him to go even faster. So, of course, my body hurts and my joints ache, but it's not because of my age. It's because I'm living my life. Oh, Archie Bello! Don't let life pass you by. Take care of your brain health. It may just help you stay on top of your game. As soon as this scene wraps, I'm going to kiss the ground, thank Archie Bello for his outstanding performance, feed him a carrot, and visit brainhealth.gov. Find out how you can make the most of your brain as you age at brainhealth.gov. You know, the birth of a child is a joyous occasion for an entire family, but for families of more than 40,000 American babies born each year with congenital heart disease, it brings fear. It brings uncertainty, you know. There are multiple types of congenital heart disease, and for families affected by a CHD diagnosis, they may not be fully aware of various treatments or options or innovations. So with that in mind, we're bringing Dr. Jonathan Chen, the chief of cardiothoracic surgery in the cardiac center of the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, known as CHOP. Hello, Dr. Chen. Hi, good morning. So how many babies are really born each year with congenital heart disease? Uh, well, we estimate about 40,000 babies are born every year in the United States with uh, congenital heart disease. And the, the good uh, rule of thumb is it's about 1% of the population. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's one in 120 babies. So it's the most common birth defect. You, Your listeners um, may have family members themselves, but certainly will know other uh, friends and family whose children have congenital heart disease. Yeah. Do we know why it happens? 
Um, we presume it's genetic in the way that, uh, you know, blonde hair and blue eyes is uh, genetic. It's relatively rare to have whole families, uh, each of whom has congenital heart disease, but we're getting closer and closer each year to understand the linkage between specific gene abnormalities and, um, and congenital heart disease. And how are these heart defects diagnosed? And further, how are they treated in these children? Oh, how long is your show? Uh, okay, <laughs> all right, answer. fair, fair uh, enough, Doctor Chen. Okay, okay, the, <laughs> okay, the, uh, the diagnosis part is uh, relatively straightforward. So the um, these can be diagnosed in utero. So uh, as early as um, about 20 weeks gestation, uh, what's called a fetal echocardiogram. So it's a very specific ultrasound of the fetus's heart can be performed, and these days with pretty astonishing accuracy, let us know what sort of heart disease the baby has. Um, that, for us, in, in the major uh, cardiac hospitals uh, for children, that's probably about 85% of our kids will be diagnosed fetally. Um, uh, otherwise, they can be diagnosed in the newborn nursery. Sometimes it's based on symptoms. Sometimes it's based on uh, oxygen levels. So there's what's called an oxygen screening test that they'll do. Um, and then in many children, uh, the uh, congenital heart disease is not that, not that uh, severe. And so it can take um, many years. Uh, at times for these uh, heart heart defects to become sort of relevant clinically, if at all. And so that would be diagnosed, generally speaking, by a pediatrician at a, at a well-child visit. And all of these require a referral to a pediatric cardiologist who can make the um, very refined diagnosis. We're talking with Dr. Chen, Chief of the Division of Cardiothoracic Surgery and the co-director of the Cardiac Center at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. Your clinical research has been primarily directed towards these complex congenital heart care and transportation and such. What made you decide to hone in on this specifically? Uh, it's a good question. I was always, I think, perhaps destined for the heart surgery part. Uh, but I think during my training, I came to appreciate that while operating on adults, you know, uh, helping an 85-year-old, you know, gives them 10 excellent life years saved. If you save the life of a baby, that's 85 life years saved. It's really, and there's so much to be done in this field. Uh, it's each day is um, a different new challenge, and also each day, generally speaking, is a, is a great triumph too. So it's a, it's a very rewarding field. There's so much to be done. We're trying to attract the you know the best and the brightest. Uh, to help uh, shape our future. What a great answer to that question. I, I just, well, you know, I just fell into it. But no, you actually really laid it out there. <laughs> so this this is Dr. Chen. He actually cares about these babies and the congenital heart disease and taking care of the situation. So what is the expected long-term outcome for babies or children, for that matter, who undergo a cardiac, what we call, intervention? Uh, it's, it's quite good these days. So it's about we, we estimate about 85% of the kids who undergo some intervention, surgery or catheter-based uh, in the infancy, uh, will survive into adulthood. And that number is quite a bit higher than it was, when, for example, when I was training a million years ago. <laughs> um, now, 85% is an average. So you know most of those kids are are pretty are quite good. So the real benefit has been made in these complex uh, congenital heart kids, uh, for whom they're their heart problem would be lethal without an intervention in the newborn period. That is where the, the big advances have been made. Uh, what your listeners may not know is that there are more adults alive today with repaired and unrepaired congenital heart disease than there are children. So one of the things about living to adulthood is that now the the kids, now adults with congenital heart disease, are open to all the other problems that adults have, you know, like 
they want to get pregnant or they can get cancer and all that sort of thing. And so there's a real need for specialists in that area who are um, tuned in both to the congenital heart disease and to the problems of adults. Wow. You, the future is bright. I, I, I understand this. What about the future for cardiac treatment and these interventions? Um, similar. You know, I think technology advances faster than we can keep track of it. There's new, uh, probably made not as quickly as technology, there are new advances in the medical therapies, which are exciting. Uh, and uh, importantly for our field, imaging in particular, technology in terms of um, uh, echocardiography, so there's ultrasound, CT scans, MRIs have all allowed us, believe it or not, to bring a lot of that information into virtual reality. And so we can plan a lot of these procedures now preoperatively and pre-procedurally where before we were, you know, doing a game day decision in the operating room. Now we get to trial all sorts of different rerouting procedures and so forth in advance. And that's been great. And that, that technology is maybe only in the last five years. Yeah, some of this sounds fascinating. 3D modeling and virtual reality now used. Uh, can you explain a little bit of that? Oh, yeah, sure. So we used to, the first iteration was the 3D modeling, as you're pointing out. So it's a, a printed model. And now, you know, kids have 3D printers in their classrooms in elementary school. So um, what we've, we've moved as a field a little bit toward the virtual reality platform, partly because uh, it's, a, it's a little bit um, uh, easier in terms of you have to wait for it to print out. And then also it, the technology is amazing. You can basically walk inside the heart in virtual reality and, and uh, look around and decide, you know, a lot of our procedures involve rerouting of the blood in different ways, and you want to make those connections unobstructed. And so this allows us to envision what we're going to do in the operating room before we have to do it. And the other new thing is that some of these uh, imaging modalities allow us to do virtual repairs of the valves before we get in there to see which one works the best. Uh, and so that's been very exciting. Wow, it sounds like some sort of sci-fi space stuff, you know, but it's actually reality nowadays. Yeah, ah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I watch a show uh, here and there called The Good Doctor where they have all the visuals, you know, of all the math, and, 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 and I think there's no way that that's happening in reality, but it is. 3D modeling is now, it's, it's almost, it's commonplace, I guess you could say that, right? Right. We're talking with Dr. Jonathan Chen. He is Chief of Cardiothoracic Surgery in the Cardiac Center of the Children's Hospital in Philadelphia that's known as CHOP. And uh, many babies, uh, you said around 40,000 American babies born every year with congenital heart disease. There are very many different types of uh, congenital heart disease. Um, What is the, the most common? Um, well, the most common is uh, what we call a VSD, so it's a transfer of ventricular septal defect, so that's a hole in the downstairs chamber of the heart. Now, while many babies are born with VSDs, a lot of them, the vast majority, will close on their own. So um, a lot of times parents will be told they, were, they hear a murmur or they hear a noise on, uh, on a stethoscope in the nursery, and then it goes away, and that's probably what that was. Uh, there are some that persist, and those require, generally speaking, uh, most of them will require surgery or an intervention. Some of them get smaller over time. They can be watched, uh, but that is the most common. Okay. All right. That makes sense again, because I had seen it said multiple uh, variations of congenital heart disease in these babies. Now, about 25% of them with CHD have a critical form of that, and they'll need an intervention usually within the first year of their life. How scary is it operating on babies? 
infants? Um, well, it's always, um, you know, the responsibility is profound uh, in a way, in some ways that's different from operating on adults. Um, you know, you're caring for the parents in addition to the baby. Uh, technically, it's pretty challenging. You might imagine, you know, a newborn heart is about the size of a walnut. So when we're moving things like moving coronary arteries or we're reconstructing the arch, we're talking about one millimeter vessels. So that can be very challenging. Wow. It's exciting for that reason. I think most of the people who go into this field um, in terms of the surgery side, uh, we enjoy the challenge. Uh, but it's, um, you know, it's daunting. There's no question about it. It has to be. I mean, so much responsibility in your hands, uh, an infant or a newborn. What is the youngest child that you've ever operated on, doctor? Oh, we operate on kids uh, right in the delivery room, right at first minutes of life sometimes. It's unusual uh, to be the case, but every once in a while we have to do that. And actually at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, we have a delivery unit for mothers in the hospital. And in fact, those delivery rooms are right adjacent to the cardiac ORs. And sometimes we'll have the mothers deliver in the cardiac OR if we really are worried about the um, uh, how emergent the procedure would be afterwards. That's a pretty rarefied situation. Most places do not have the delivery rooms in the, in the um, suite, but we've been very fortunate to. And that's why a lot of mothers choose to deliver here. They'll actually relocate to deliver here. It sounds like a great place to give birth, especially if you're worried. Um, Dr. Chen, I, it says here in your notes, but you uh, had particular emphasis on the development of a mechanical ventricular assistance device for children. How small is something like that? Um, they're getting smaller. Uh, the ones currently, there's some, I'm trying to imagine uh, what the uh, what the real life example is talking about that small. But remember, we were saying that the newborn heart is about the size of a walnut. Mm-hmm. So the idea would be that we'd get to a support device that could be as small as that because we don't want to be bigger than the kid. Um, you know, these devices, uh, your your listeners may remember that Dick Cheney had what was called a left ventricular assist device, and that allowed him to survive to transplant, and he's done very well thereafter. Um, similarly, there are devices that we are trying to miniaturize to, for smaller and smaller kids for that same purpose, to let them survive to transplantation. Uh, the limits are pretty substantial, though. It's hard to, it sounds easy to miniaturize things. There are lots of other considerations that come into play when you try to um, take one, you know, imagine trying to take a car and make it small enough for a five-year-old. <laughs> all the parts are different, all the, the flow of the gasoline is different. It's kind of like that. True. And also, wouldn't it have to either be replaced or grow with the child? Yes, excellent point. Yes, and so um, so that's one of the the uh, big challenges. Also, is how do you um, so currently we'd have to swap these out with bigger devices along the way. But the ideal version would be something that does grow or adapt for growth. Wow, this is fascinating. I'm really enjoying talking with you, Dr. Jonathan Chen, uh, talking about cardiac care and improving the lives of children with heart disease. Not just in the United States, but worldwide. February is American Heart Month. And Dr. Chen, you really, you've given our listeners and myself a lot, a lot of interesting information about the advancements when it comes to the, uh, the, the child congenital heart disease problems. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Florida Roundtable. It's been a pleasure. Great. Thanks for having me.
Life happens. Getting married, moving, new baby, loss of health insurance. If you had a life-changing event, you may qualify for a special enrollment period in the health insurance marketplace. Visit healthcare.gov and see if you qualify. Need help? A navigator from Covering Florida can help you through the process and find the best plan for you and your family. Visit coveringflorida.org or call 1-877-813-9115 to make an appointment. Assistance is always free and confidential. Looking for cheap flights or cheap tickets? Call the low-cost airline travel hotline now for prices so low we can't publish them anywhere. We'll even save you money with cheap travel deals on hotels, rental cars, even complete travel packages. Call us first for the absolute cheapest prices on U.S. and international airline tickets and hotels. 802-341-4542. 802-341-4542. That's 802-341-4542. Hi, I'm Johnny Erickson Tata. Growing up with a brother with autism, Sarah Kronk witnessed firsthand how kids with disabilities felt left out by their peers. It's why at the age of 15, Sarah approached her cheerleading coach with an idea to include girls with disabilities on her school's cheer team. Well, what started out as an inclusive high school cheer team in a small town in Iowa has led to what is now known as Sparkle Effect, a thriving nonprofit with over 180 cheer teams across the United States, bringing students with and without disabilities together through cheerleading. The result, more confidence, higher grades, and better school attendance for kids with disabilities. And for those without a disability, new friends and a greater empathy. You wanna learn more? Well, visit disabilitycampaign.org, where we have posted a link to the fabulous work known as the Sparkle Effect. We're here early before they wake up. We stay late. We stay informed. We invest in the latest technology. We take the time to train the next generation of doctors and nurses. We work together to make sure we heal their bodies and their minds. We do this not because it's our job, but because this is about our veterans' lives. This is our mission. More than 300,000 of us working as one, together with families and loved ones. No matter where they live in this country, we'll be there. We all come together and stand together to serve our veterans. We stand strong, united. Stand with us in caring for our veterans. Imagine. Imagine being denied an apartment because of your religion, or your race, or because you have children, or a disability. It's so wrong. Yes, but who has the power to stop this? You do. Each of us has the power. The law is on your side. It's illegal for landlords to discriminate because of race, color, religion, sex, national origin, disability, or familial status. If you suspect that you have experienced housing discrimination, File a complaint with HUD immediately so we can investigate it. Fair housing is your right. Use it. To learn more, visit HUD.gov slash fair housing. That's HUD.gov slash fair housing. Or call 1-800-669-9777. 1-800-669-9777. A public service message from HUD in partnership with the National Fair Housing Alliance. 
Welcome back to the Florida Roundtable. With me now, well, opportunities, risks, investing, commercial, real estate, foreclosures, fluctuating markets, residential real estate. So much is going crazy right now. Are you eyeing multifamily properties or hotels or commercial space? You think it might be a good thing to do? We're going to talk to a guy who's going to tell you whether or not it is. And right now, here he is, Stephen Bittell. How are you? Stephen, welcome. Great, Melissa. Thanks for having me today. Oh, most definitely. Uh, the market is so crazy here in Florida. It's good to have somebody that knows what's going on. And you're the founder and chairman of Terra Nova Corporation, run an investment portfolio, right? Is that correct? That's how we do this? That's right. Um, Terra Nova has a large portfolio of commercial real estate, as well as a variety of other operating companies and um, private equity investments. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Stephen. How did you get involved in commercial real estate? Well, it was, it was an incredibly fortuitous accident. Um, <laughs> I was born in the public hospital in Miami and went to public school here my whole life, grades 1 through 12. Uh, I went to college in New England at a place called Bowdoin College in Brunswick, Maine. Um, I was awarded a, a, a graduate fellowship to spend a year in Europe, and I spent a lot of time with European banks and public and private companies, and I became convinced that the best strategy was to come back to Miami. And while I attended law school, began a career in commercial real estate to help them invest in U.S. real estate assets. Oh, see, I see you come from a family of lawyers, and they probably expected that you would do the same, but instead you decided to slide over into commercial real estate while still in law school, and I guess the rest is history. So uh, let's talk about commercial real estate. What is it like right now? We're probably in the most frenzied market I've ever seen in terms of institutional investment in Florida real estate. Um, our economy has been wide open during the pandemic. Um, the investments are aided by historically low interest rates, and our tenant performance has been, on the retail side, exceptional because our economy is so wide open. Wow. So is it a good time or a bad time for someone to start investing, perhaps, in commercial real estate? What do you think? You know, I think in every moment, of every cycle, there's always a place to play. Um, over the last year, we've focused on out-of-favor assets, which has been heavily retail for us. Um, and at the same time, we sold a large industrial track because we thought the pricing had grown so high that we get all of our profit by selling entitled land versus going through with the development. Mm. So I think at every moment, there's a place to play. Um, you just you have to be careful because the last thing anyone wants to do is to buy at the top of the market and write it down. Now, I work with another company, um, a banking company, who now has opened up their doors to do loans for people to own multiple properties. But, of course, you have to have at least a year of leasing experience as a landlord. Would you? What, would, what advice would you give somebody who was considering doing that, maybe looking into multifamily real estate? So one, we do have two multifamily projects, one on Miami Beach and the second one in Austin, Texas. Mm -hmm. um, my best advice would be initially to partner with someone who's done it before. Um, experienced operators tend to have access to lower-cost debt capital while at the same time 
bringing with them the operating experience that ensures better performance in the early times. The Clearly, the most challenging part of any acquisition is the first year, and, and having operating experience kind of smooths over that challenging initial period. Yeah, I think that's great advice. We're talking with Stephen Battelle. He's the founder and chairman of Terra Nova Corporation. They run an investment poly, uh, portfolio that is valued at nearly a billion dollars. Uh, the company's a national leader, actually, in commercial real estate and in the industry of commercial real estate. And uh, they work down in you work down in South Florida. That's where you call home mostly, right? Yes, I was again born in the public hospital in downtown Miami. <laughs> so you know, other than four years in college and and a year overseas, um, this has been home forever. Fantastic. So since you're invested in the real retail market, since you do that, uh, how are retailers faring in Florida compared to other markets around the country? Can you tell us? First, we have a huge service industry, um, and again, it's like usually there are winners and losers at every moment in the market. Um, the best winners right now have been our restaurants. Um, because of our wonderful weather, most of our restaurants have been able to have outdoor seating, and that has enabled them to flourish during the pandemic. Those that um, pivoted to takeout and delivery business while at the same time maintaining outdoor seasons. Outdoor seating has typically turned in sales reports for the 2021 year that, of course, exceeded 20, which the economy was closed for part of the time, but they're even exceeding the sales experience in 2019. Oh. So restaurant rents have gone up. Uh, demand for second-generation space has exhausted supply, and it's been a great time. The other challenge they've had, though, is there are acute staffing shortages throughout the economy, especially in entry-level restaurant jobs. So how do they counteract that, or does that not concern you at this level? It's a challenge, and, you know, they're, they're diminishing their operating hours. They're running short-staffed. Uh, it is helping margins. But on the other hand, the dining, the service quality for the dining experience is reduced. Mm -hmm. I just think we all understand where we are in the economy. We just have to be used to that. So inflation is definitely impacting real estate values. What about investment attitudes? The inflation right now is ridiculous. So the biggest components of inflation in the U.S. economy have been fuel, both uh, gas at the pump and natural gas and, and diesel for whole home heating oil, and at the same time used cars. The other piece has been a huge run-up in, in rental rates on residential real estate. Um, our portfolio is substantially insulated from that in that most of our tenants have annual incre rent increases um, with a floor of 3%, and it's tied to the consumer price index. So as the CPI goes up, our rents to our tenants go up. Um, that's the good news for us. The challenge for some tenants is that they could have flat or declining sales and rents could still go up. And that's, that's a balancing act that tenants and landlords have to work through together. Most definitely. So beyond commercial real estate, do you see any other emerging industries that may be worth uh, looking into or investing in? Where, where are your future opportunities? So we've made a big investment in the last year in a biotech company in, history, in Israel that does a uh, gene editing of, of chickens to, um, to determine the gender of them at an early, as soon as they're laid, 
versus instead of when they're hatched. And at the same time, they're working very diligently on finding a cure for the avian flu, which, which will change the economics of raising chickens. We have investments in a lot of different businesses. Um, we have a big car wash gas station and convenience store business that's in Florida and Georgia. Um, the car wash business has absolutely taken off and is doing great. Um, and then we also have a controlling interest in a dental insurance company that has been a great performer throughout the pandemic, and we've just opened in the beginning of January in Texas. So we think we have a diversity of cash flows that enable us to ride through any moment in the cycle. The other big opportunity at this moment in time is we have refinanced most of our portfolio, taking advantage of historically low long-term interest rates. So we think we've secured the cash flows on our properties well into the future. Do you collaborate with other investors? You know, we started this business with no money out of an extra bedroom in my first house that cost $54,000 a long, long time ago. Um, Today, uh, we have a couple of um, large families that are minority investors with us and one large institutional partner. So we, in the early days, we took friends and families, our investors. We don't do that anymore. And today, in all of our projects, we are the majority investor. Wow, that's pretty impressive there, Stephen. So foreclosures, a fluctuating market, as we said earlier, uh, the real estate industry as a whole is in a frenzy right now. A lot of people are eyeing multifamily properties, hotels, even commercial space for the first time or to add on to what they already have. Um, One more time, I'm looking for some tips that players in this residential real estate space or commercial space can learn from each other. So I think the single-family rent-to-own market is certainly maturing now for the first time in history. It's not a place we play in. Um, We like to have multi-tenant properties. So if we lose, if a property is 30 tenants and we lose one, we lose one-thirtieth of our income. If someone were to buy a single-family home to rent and they lose one tenant, they lose 100% of our income. So we like the economics of multi-tenant properties. We also like the opportunity to get long-term fixed-rate non-recourse debt. We think that enables us to ensure cash flow in the future while managing risk. And I think if if there's a a mistake first-time investors make, they don't manage risk in their balance sheets enough so that a bad investment um, incurs their long-term ability to invest in the future. I love it. Stephen Battelle, thank you so much for sharing your expertise about commercial, real estate, investing, and more with us today on the Florida Roundtable. You've been wonderful. Thank you, Melissa. It's been great talking to you. Life happens. Getting married, moving, new baby, loss of health insurance. If you've had a life-changing event, you may qualify for a special enrollment period in the health insurance marketplace. Visit healthcare.gov and see if you qualify. Need help? A navigator from Covering Florida can help you through the process and find the best plan for you and your family. Visit CoveringFlorida.org or call 877-813-9115 to make an appointment. Assistance is always free and confidential. Florida law requires you to remain at the scene of a crash and to call for help. Leaving the scene is a felony offense that includes losing your license and possible jail time. After a crash, stay at the scene, call for assistance, and wait for first responders to arrive. If you have information on a hit-and-run crash, report it by calling Star FHP or anonymously to Crime Stoppers at Star Star 8477. A message from the Florida Department of Highway Safety 
and motor vehicles. Many centuries ago, God revealed how true faith is lived out. His Word says, What does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? Micah 6 8. Think about it. Doing justice, being concerned for those who are left out, looked over, abused, or oppressed, and loving kindness, that's actively working for the good of others. And walking humbly with God, that means trusting God and obeying His Word. Today, when it seems religious faith is seen as negative, I hope you will consider Jesus. He is the one person in all of history who has lived up to this standard. He alone is always just and kind, and in His time on earth, walked humbly with His Father God. He can transform your life as a demonstration of what true faith is. Why not trust Him today? This is Bryant Wright, speaking through faith, right from my heart. The big game is coming this weekend. Yeah, you know it. It's here, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. And don't you panic. We've got it. We've got it all handled for you. I have the guy right on the hook here who's going to help you out. Yeah, with the greatest game plan for your snacking. Healthy stuff, too. We've got former Michigan State quarterback and bachelor and bachelorette contestant Bob Guinea. He knows a lot about making a great impression and big hits. Thanks, Melissa. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Nice to talk to you again. Yeah, always good when you come in and take care of business and tell us from the guy's point of view. I remember when you were here last, you told us the best gifts for Christmas for the gentleman folk. So now we're going to talk about how to score big while enjoying the Super Bowl on your own couch. So take it away. Take it away. What are the ingredients for the best day, huh? Well, thank you, my friend. You know, planning is the key ingredient. I think you got to make sure you plan ahead a little bit when you want to have a watch party for the big game. And there are a couple trends out there right now to keep in mind. First is an emphasis on pre-portioned dishes or food that you can quickly grab and go with. And then the second is choosing healthier choices. I think we've all been sitting on our couch for a couple of years here. It's time to be mindful of what we're putting in our bodies. With six grams of plant protein and three grams of fiber per serving, wonderful pistachios fit the trend. Mm. And I've partnered with them to share a few delicious, and I, I think they will be very surprising suggestions for you for great snacks that you can have and great meals that you can have on the, on the day of the big game. Now, first is a snack board. Pistachios are always a great addition to any charcuterie or cheese board. You can sprinkle the in-shell pistachios around as a great visual, or you can have some easy-to-eat no-shell flavors to really elevate your snack board. And then another great way, I happen to love burrata cheese, and a great way is to take wonderful pistachios burrata. You simply put your burrata on a serving dish, you top it with mandarin zest, and then you sprinkle in the crushed pistachios on top. You can serve it with toasted baguette slices, you can serve it with endive, whatever veggies you like. So a couple nice starters right there that, the, that your friends are going to love, there's going to be something for everybody. They're going to have some great snackables and uh, just really kind of quick and easy uh, things that you can serve on the big game. Yeah. Now, is a guy actually going to put together the charcuterie? I mean, seriously, are dudes doing that now? I saw like a toolbox that they'd taken <laughs> the little organizers and put like pepperoni in one slot, some cheese in another slot, which I thought was kind of cool. But are, are yeah. men really stepping up to the plate and bringing healthy uh, eaters and grazers the food that they really want? That's awesome. Well, I can tell you this. Uh, at my house, uh, my wife and I both do it, but... Hers looks a lot better than mine. The presentation <laughs> is entirely different. But 
The content is relatively the same. <laughs> okay. It may not be pretty, but it's edible, kids. Okay. Hey, right. Amen. If, you have, if, I, if I can take a little knife and smear it on something, I can do that. Fair enough. But, uh, you know, those are great. Now, for the kids, we've got some great stuff, too. And these aren't just for kids, actually. These are for, for the adults, too. But sliders are an awesome fan favorite and easy to make, really easy to grab and go with. I like to use the whole wheat slider rolls, top them with a bright and creamy chili sauce using the wonderful pistachios, no-shells chili roasted. And then you can put some cucumbers, cilantro, jalapeno, and carrots on there. If someone doesn't like the spiciness or the zestiness of the jalapenos or the cilantro, they can, they can ditch those. But just a great way to have that. And then I also love just to put out a big bowl of the wonderful pistachio snack packs so my guests can just grab them and go. And my three-year-old loves the honey roasted flavor. He eats them straight out of the bag, loves the sweetness of the honey. I like that he's getting a nutritious snack. But they've got other flavors, too, including chili roasted, sea salt and vinegar, and barbecue. And the wonderful pistachios no-shell are a great substitute for unhealthy chips. I found myself tasting the chili roasted the other night, and I, next thing I knew, I was at the bottom of the bag. I mean, they're that good. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's really something else. And you don't feel bad about yourself after. I mean, I'll, you know, I've done some, uh, some bags of chips in the same fashion, and I felt horrible about myself the next day. So when you're actually doing it with pistachios, you know you're actually being relatively healthy. It's kind of a nice way to go about snacking. I like it. We're talking with Bob Guinea. You know him. He's regularly on the Today Show with the special Guys Tell All panel. He's been on TLC. and I'm just going to drop a couple more. TVG, CMT, HGTV, the Florida Roundtable, which is also known as FRT. I thought I had to keep up with all of the anagrams and such. But uh, Bob is here <laughs> telling us what to do for Super Bowl Sunday to score really well at home with your snacking. And food, food, food. That's all I ever know about Super Bowl. I come into someone else's house. I'm always a guest. I never entertain. I, I always want Got a it. sample. Yeah, it's a key move, right? <laughs> oh, it is. It's smart. Yeah. But, you I mean, know, I mean, I, I love the idea of that, too, because you're still going to get to enjoy the big day, and you don't have to do all the cleanup. It's exactly. nice. Exactly. I know. I can pop in, <laughs> visit a few different parties, and, you know, and still uh, make a go of it. But these ideas that you're coming up with, is, especially using uh, the wonderful pistachios, uh, I may actually entertain this year. So yeah. nibblers, we've got covered with the little stuff. How do we make sure that everybody enjoys delicious dishes for the Super Bowl? Well, I've got one for you. This is actually going to blow your mind. Okay, this is the wonderful pistachios coconut-crusted chicken tenders. Ooh. It just sounds delicious, doesn't it, when I say it? It yeah, actually. rolls mm -hmm. off the tongue. And what's great about it, instead of breadcrumbs, we coat them with a no-shells barbecue flavor. For that hickory smoke goodness with a hint of sweetness, it still has, it looks just the same, or very similar, I should say, to what you would think of as your normal breaded chicken tender, but it's actually breaded with pistachios, and it's really delicious. It's got a great flavor to it. It's, you know, again, a mindful way. It's healthy, you know, so it's a nice way to actually in enjoy some great meals and uh, not feel so guilty the next day. Yeah, it sounds good to me. I'm a big fan of crushing down the uh, pistachios and using them as a glaze, along with some honey barbecue on my salmon when I cook that. It just gives wow. it that. I know, right? just gives it that extra bump, like you said. So, um, yeah, I love that. Where can we get more information, Bob, on these recipes that you're tossing our direction? Because I don't expect anybody to be writing down pistachio crusted. That's <laughs> right. That's right. Yeah, it's tough to keep track, and I know I talk fast. So you want to go to wonderfulpistachios.com, and you can see all the great recipes we talked about today, and I'm sure a whole bunch more. I love your idea mm. of that uh, crushing down the pistachios with a little honey and it, it lays there for the salmon. That's nice. Oh, it is. And it's about like uh, 10 minutes in the oven, if that, and you're ready to rock. I usually throw it on top of some asparagus, bring it all the way. Mm. Oh, I 
love it. You sound like a really good cook. Yeah, that's why nobody comes to my house, because I don't let them. <laughs> because then they'll want to come back more and more, just like you, yeah. Bob. Just like that's you. Right. <laughs> no, I'll be back, I hope, anyway. Oh, heck yeah, you will. <laughs> so for more information, uh, get Kraken.com, or you said wonderful? Wonderfulpistachios.com. Yep. Perfect. All right. Hey, any, any predictions? Cincinnati? What are we thinking? Uh, the Rams? You know, I, I got to tell you, I want Cincinnati to win just from the heart, but I, I feel like that Rams defense might be too tough. Yeah, I think that's what a lot of people are saying. And just a side note, we are an SEC family. Uh, that's I, right. I can't root for the Bulldogs. Uh, so Matt Stafford, no. he's out. He's out of my book. Yep. But yeah, it probably looks like the Rams are a tougher team to beat. But I'd like to see Cincinnati, and I'd like to see you come on again soon bob bob guinea thank you thank you so much for joining us today on the florida roundtable and bringing us such awesome recipes too it's always a pleasure when we have you on thank you so much take care you got it take care you're listening to the florida roundtable i am melissa fox and so much more coming up on this episode. By the way, if you miss anything, you can catch our podcast. Just go to the iHeartRadio app and search Florida Roundtable. We'll be right back. It's the Florida Talk and Entertainment Network. Looking to make your garden fresh and new this spring? Quality Green Specialists in DeLand has what you're looking for. Fancy shrubs, large trees like magnolias and hollies, beautiful flowers like supertunias and azaleas, olives, citrus, peaches, blueberries, vegetables and herbs too. Enjoy gardening at its best. Select from our quality fertilizers and organics like azomite. Great plants, sustainable products. Friendly expert advice. 335 West Michigan Avenue, DeLand and online at qualitygreenspecialist.com. Life happens. Getting married, moving, new baby, loss of health insurance. If you had a life-changing event, you may qualify for a special enrollment period in the health insurance marketplace. Visit healthcare.gov and see if you qualify. Need help? A navigator from Covering Florida can help you through the process and find the best plan for you and your family. Visit coveringflorida.org or call 1-877-813-9115 to make an appointment. Assistance is always free and confidential. I love the ocean. Me? I love a slow, winding river. I love the lake. Slick as glass. But nothing compares to what you love inside the boat. My family. My child. My best friend from first grade. If you're behind the wheel of a boat, pay attention. That way your favorite water will always be safe water. Learn more about boating safety at myfwc.com. Brought to you by the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission. Shortness of breath, patients confused, temp 102. He just had an infection. What's going on? It's becoming septic. Antibiotics started. Bed ready, let's move him. Infections could lead to a deadly chain reaction in your body called sepsis. Very quickly, sepsis can cause tissue damage, organ failure, and even death. If you know the risks, can spot the symptoms, and act fast, then you can get ahead of sepsis. Learn more at cdc.gov sepsis. My muscles ached. I was tired all the time. My son had a full-blown asthma attack. It came out of nowhere. The unsettling thing about some symptoms is... I had a fever and these terrible headaches. You don't always know what's causing them. It was Lyme disease from a tick bite. I had Zika virus from a mosquito. He had a reaction to cockroach allergens. Threats to your health can come from unexpected places. Get the facts. Visit PestWorld.org. A public service message from the National Pest Management Association. You're listening to the Florida Roundtable.
I'm Melissa Fox. Very few things in life can make such a huge difference as organ, eye, and tissue donation. There's no cost to the giver, and it truly can be the greatest gift of all, as it can restore life and health to those who would not otherwise survive. However, more registered donors, including more registered Hispanics, are urgently needed. A look at the data will reveal a growing gap between the need and the availability of organs. Registering as an organ, eye, and tissue donor is a simple measure, but it's also very noble and extremely necessary. Here are some of the most up-to-date statistics about the importance of giving. Every 10 minutes, a person is added to the National Transplant Waiting List. On average, 22 people a day die waiting for a transplant because there are not enough donors. Did you know an organ donor can save up to eight lives and can improve up to 50 with corneas and tissue donation? Now, currently, there are nearly 120,000 men, women, and children who are awaiting organ transplants right here in the United States. And almost 20% of those people on the waiting list are Hispanic. Now, although the number of organs transplanted every year, although the number of organs transplanted each year is improving, it's just not keeping the pace with the demand for organs. Now, the statistics can be really overwhelming. But remember, each number represents a life. A mom, a dad, a brother a sister, or yourself, or maybe even the person that you love. My sister passed away when she was just 17 years old, and we donated what we could. Her kidneys gave life to two people. I recommend that if you want more information, and I hope you do, that you go to organdonor.gov. Again, organdonor.gov. I'm Melissa Fox. And this is the Florida Roundtable. Thanks for listening. Love you. Mean it. You've been listening to the Florida Roundtable, a news and public affairs presentation of the Florida News Network. The views and opinions expressed during this program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of this station's management, ownership, or sponsors. For questions or comments, write to Florida Roundtable at fnnonline.net.